Here we are, three weeks into our new series, all about a rule of life. So we're looking at how we live, and we've called this series a rule of life, meaning a rule like a ruler. So not a rule like a a law that we have to live by and obey every day. We're talking about a ruler that helps us to do something. A ruler helps us to draw a straight line or maybe you want to draw a triangle and it just helps us to get the lines straight. And the other image that we've had is um, of a a vine growing with the help of a, a trellis to support it. And this rule of life is like the trellis. I've just come back from a very nice trip to France and France is known for quite a few things, isn't it? What Shout out some of the things that France is well known for. Brilliant. <laughs> Perfect. Cheese. Cheese and wine, among many of other things. And obviously wine comes from grapes. Grapes grow on vines. And if you look at a, a vineyard, and there are thousands of vineyards in France, the branches of a vine are actually quite thin. They're not very strong, but a good bunch of grapes is heavy. And if you didn't have support for the branches of the vine, then these lovely bunches of grapes would basically be on the floor, not getting much sunlight, not growing as they should. So to avoid that situation, the branches are supported. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a rule of life, that helps to support us. And Jesus' invitation is an invitation to life, life in the Spirit, an abundant life, a plentiful life, a life that is full, basically. Okay, well, that, that's good in one sense because life isn't trouble-free. It's a full life, but not a life that is free of difficulty or problems or suffering. Hard things happen. We say this quite often. Hard things happen to all of us. But Jesus' invitation is to the kind of life that he lived himself. His invitation to us is to learn from him. It's to follow him. Follow, well, not just follow what he taught. What he taught is very important, and it's helpful to know what he said and to know what he did. But it's also about how the way that Jesus actually lived his life, how he lived his life. Often we read the Gospels to know what Jesus said or to know what Jesus did, but if we read them as just as biography to see what Jesus, how Jesus lived his life, so that we get an example that we can follow. So Louise started us thinking a couple of weeks ago, if you remember, about slowing down. And life can be full of hurry and busyness and distraction and pressure and stress. Some of the technology that was meant to help us in life, make life easier, simpler, actually adds to that busyness and pressure. But when we think about Jesus, Jesus lived an unhurried life. 
We saw that in the account of the woman that Jesus healed, the one who was in the crowd, and Jesus was on his way to help the very sick daughter of the synagogue leader. Remember that Jairus had come to Jesus because his daughter was on the point of dying. It was a really difficult situation, full of urgency. But Jesus still stopped to help that woman, the woman who had just touched his cloak and was healed. So thinking about slowing down is important. Last week, as we've already mentioned, uh, we were thinking about simplicity. So exploring what it means to live more simply and why we might do that. And we consider Jesus' teaching about storing up treasure in heaven rather than treasure on earth. We also looked at Jesus' life and saw that Jesus lived a simple life. That didn't mean that he didn't enjoy life. He did enjoy life. He ate, he drank, he had friends. But he lived a simple life, an unencumbered life. And so that brings us to today. Today we're going to be thinking about Sabbath. What is Sabbath? What does it mean to Sabbath? And we're going to look at what Jesus said about Sabbath. We're also going to ask the question, how did Jesus Sabbath? But we go, before we go too far, there's something we need to say. Whereas slowing down and simplifying life are things that everyone understands. What it means to Sabbath probably isn't. Sabbath is, it's a word that we've all heard, but it's not an everyday word like slow or simple. And just like slow and simple can have negative connotations, you know, if we call someone slow and simple, it's probably not a compliment. So Sabbath is probably a word that has some negative associations for us. So let's stop for a moment and just do a little bit of word association. So when we hear the word Sabbath, what other words come to mind? Just, you don't have to say them, but just think. The word Sabbath, what do we associate with Sabbath? What other words come to mind? Just have a little think for a moment. So we're trying to figure out what is Sabbath about. So, so what words come to mind when we think of Sabbath? Now you can volunteer them if you'd like. Sabbath, what does, what does that bring to mind for you? Rest. Good. Restoration. Set apart. Yeah. A day for the Lord. Being intentional, planning. Jesus is our saviour, absolutely. I don't know if anyone else had the association. I had the association with something religious, perhaps something Jewish. Maybe something that's a bit dull or boring as well. When I, when I was younger, uh, the idea of, of Sunday 
Because when I was small, shops were all closed on a Sunday. Nothing really happened on a Sunday apart from going to church, if you went to church. So I had associations of Sabbath being something not that helpful or interesting. But Sabbath is both a noun and a verb. It's something, and it's something that we do. Sabbath basically means to stop. Sabbath means to stop. Stop what we're doing, to do something else. And the idea of Sabbath was introduced very early on, as I'm sure we, we know. It's kind of built into the creation of the universe. It's the seventh day. That's what the thing is. The Sabbath is the seventh day. It's the day when God stopped. And then it became part of the Ten Commandments, which were really important to God's people. And God gave those commandments uh, through Moses to his people so that they could follow in a certain direction the things that he wanted them to do. So Sabbath was something that Jesus did, something that he practiced, something that he taught about. But it's also the thing that he got criticized for. It's probably the thing, partly, that got him killed. Jesus' view of the Sabbath was at odds with the view of the people, the religious leaders of the day. And it's a word that appears quite often in the Gospels, but hardly at all in the letters. And one of, the, one of the two places that we have it in the letters is in uh, Colossians. So if you want to turn, or if you want to, you can turn to Colossians chapter 2. So it's a word that's quite frequently in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, but then hardly at all in the letters. But in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17... This is what Paul wrote, and it's very interesting. He wrote, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So the way that Jesus practiced Sabbath was criticised, got him into trouble. And then later on, Paul writes to people saying, don't let anyone judge you regarding several things, but also regarding uh, the Sabbath. So I think we just need to bear that in mind, that it's something that people can be criticised for or judged about. What we do or what we don't do regarding the Sabbath could be something that others will judge us for. And Jesus got into trouble, as we know, because the religious leaders of his day were very strict about what you could or couldn't do on the Sabbath. So Jesus seemed to make a point of healing people on the Sabbath. And at one point he healed someone who was paralyzed and then told him to take his mat and get up and walk. And that was exactly the thing that he wasn't meant to do. So carrying your mat and walking was no-no on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew that. 
So when we read the Gospels, we're reading about a situation where rules were really important, keeping the Sabbath was really important. But today, we have the opposite problem. Today, nothing stops on the Sabbath, it would seem. Life carries on as normal, seven days a week. As I said, not, not so long ago, uh, shops would be closed and things would be very different. It would be a very different sort of day. I've just come back from France. In France, pretty much no shops are open on a Sunday. In Germany, pretty much no shops are open on a So something has changed here. Sunday used to be the day for going to church, but in the UK today, very few people go to church anymore. Children who are taken to church by their parents seem to stop as soon as they can as they reach their teenage years. So we need to ask ourselves a question. What is keeping the Sabbath about for us? Is keeping the Sabbath about going to church? Is keeping Sabbath about not doing certain things? What is the Sabbath for? Does it mean that we, sh- we shouldn't work on a Sunday? And if that's the case, then I'm up here not setting a very good example because here I am, it's Sunday, I'm working. And for Christians, Sunday can be just as busy a day as every other day of the week. But in preparation for this series on a rule of life, and especially for today, I've been reading a couple of books. These are the two books. You can't see the titles, but one's called Sacred Rhythms by Haley, Ruth Haley Barton, and the other one's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. So this is one that Lou's already mentioned by John Mark Comer. Both of these books have a chapter about Sabbath. And I'd really recommend, if you like reading, to read um, one of these books or both of these books, because the view that the authors give of Sabbath and how to Sabbath, or how to, to keep the Sabbath is just well beyond anything that I've ever done or thought about. It's almost like a completely different idea about Sabbath, which is actually really helpful. Both of the authors of these books tell stories about being really busy all the time, busy doing good things, but basically too busy in danger of burning out, and how they discovered a different way of keeping the Sabbath. They described Sabbath as being the day in the week that they look forward to the most. A day where they stop and rest and enjoy life and focus on God. A day that enables them to live all the other days of the week. And it's really interesting. It made me wonder if I've ever really kept the Sabbath. It made me realize that I've probably never really thought about what it means, seriously thought about what it means to keep the Sabbath. So what it means and why we do it. Jesus said that he was Lord of the Sabbath. In Mark's Gospel, we have a little story, a little account of Jesus going through the cornfields. This is Mark chapter 2. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some ears of corn. Uh, 
The Pharisees, the religious leaders, said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God, this is David, and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, Jesus said to the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. I'm sure we've heard this before. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So in a context where rule-keeping is really important, what they needed to hear was that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's getting the order right. So, so it's not like we have to conform ourselves to strict religious rules. That's because they had really strict religious rules about the Sabbath at the time. Today, where we've not got any rules really, or society doesn't have many rules about the Sabbath, what we need to hear is that Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man. This whole idea of Sabbath was made for people like us. And we get that from the creation stories. It's long, long, long before the Ten Commandments woven into the creation story we have this idea of rest. So it's probably one of those things that it's easy to feel guilty about, what we do on the Sabbath. If the Sabbath is an important idea, then what we do or we don't do can cause all kinds of anxiety and guilt. But remember, Jesus was judged for what he did on the Sabbath. And Paul, when he wrote to the Colossians, he said, don't let anyone judge you. So we need to keep that in mind. But at the same time, we need to keep the Sabbath. We need to work out what that means. And having looked at what Jesus said about the Sabbath, that he was the Lord of the Sabbath, basically, he makes the rules. He gives the way. He tells us how we should live, and we follow him. When we look at the Ten Commandments, so these are really important historical commandments. We find that there is a command about the Sabbath, isn't there? In Exodus chapter 18, God says to Moses, Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And that comes, from, that comes from the creation story in Genesis. So let's just think about those two things. What does it mean that God blessed the Sabbath day? And what does it mean that it's a holy day? 
In the creation account in Genesis, there are three things that are blessed. God blesses the animals, and he gives them this instruction to multiply and to be fruitful. That's what's wrapped up in the blessing. In the same way, he blesses humankind and says exactly the same thing, to be fruitful and multiply. And then he blesses the Sabbath, blesses a day. And perhaps the idea behind that blessing is also that that should be a day that produces fruitfulness. That by resting on the Sabbath, as God instructs us, that's going to create more. We can have the impression that if we don't do anything one day of the week, that that's going to be, mean that we get less done. And often we find in life that, that we work seven days a week or we're busy seven days a week because we're trying to get things done. But God blessed the Sabbath just as he blessed the animals and blessed us in order that we would be fruitful. It would be kind of a generational thing. It would generate something that animals would have other animals, that humans would have other humans, and that this day would give us more if we keep it as God wants us to. And then the idea of something being holy, that has to do with being set apart, but also has to do with with places. So a holy temple, or a holy mountain, or a holy shrine. It's where people, all sorts of people, have often gone to find their God, a place where God could be found, at the top of a mountain, or in a temple, or in a shrine. But God made the Sabbath holy. So perhaps that's also the idea behind it, is it's a place where we find God. As we keep the Sabbath, it's the place where we find God. Because God blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. There's lots more that we could think about and say, uh, but let me just... Try and whet your appetite, perhaps to read a chapter from one of those two books, or to think yourself more about, um, about the Sabbath. So this, this is why observing the Sabbath is important. Remembering the Sabbath is important. It's like a gift that God's God gives us. We observe the Sabbath in the same way as we observe things like Christmas or Easter, and that takes some preparation. It takes some organization to be able to have a Sabbath day. But it's like a gift. It's like a a -a once-a-week holiday, a time where we can think about God with with a kind of a sense of celebration a sense of desire, drinking deeply from the well of ordinary life. A day where we don't do other things because we want to do things like have a meal with friends, take time with family, go for a walk in the forest, have an afternoon tea. There's lots of things that we can do to keep the Sabbath. Slow down long enough to enjoy life with God who offers us everything. Everything that, if you like, materialism and the world promises us, God offers us by keeping the Sabbath. So John Mark Comer 
writes about the Sabbath. Saying, the Sabbath is the day I feel most connected to God and most connected to family and friends, most awake, most at peace. It's the day when I expect joy. It's the day that sets the tone for the whole week. A day of unhurried love and joy and peace. And he says that this idea of Sabbath, this kind of expanded idea of what Sabbath can be, will take a while to adjust to. It took him years to learn how to keep Sabbath in the way that he felt God was telling him to keep Sabbath. So Sabbath will take a while to adjust to, he said. But it's like a less stressful Christmas every week. So with those thoughts in our minds, and with the encouragement perhaps to pick up one of these books, I'll leave them out in the foyer for you to have a flick through, perhaps get hold of. Let's just take a moment to to pray and to reflect. Lord, we want to thank you for all the gifts that you give us. And Lord, thank you that we are on a journey with you. We're learning things all the time. And even the things that we thought we understood and knew about, Lord, thank you for the fresh perspectives that you can bring to the way that we live our lives in following you. And Lord, we ask for your help. We pray that you would help us to to think, think more about this idea of Sabbath, what you intend for us, Lord, what you want to bless us with, what you have made holy, what is good for us. And Lord, we know that we are created by you and you understand how you've made us, Lord, and we want to understand how you want us to live. So we pray for your help. Pray, Lord, as as we continue in this series that these different aspects of this rule of life would begin to challenge us Uh, but Lord, that you would help us to explore together and show us the way that you want us to live our lives in this crazy, busy world. Lord, help us to be open to you and to your spirit leading us. Lord, help us to help one another in our discussions, in our thinking, in our questions, Lord. Please be in all of that with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.